You're listening to the Pastor Writer Podcast, Episode 12. In today's podcast, I have the opportunity to speak with Mike Loomis. Mike is an expert on branding, but not just any kind. He specializes in developing your personal brand, working with authors, writers, and many nonprofits, anyone with a passionate message or trying to communicate. When it comes to the topic of branding, it's always an area that I have questions. What does it look like for a Christian to build a brand? What does it look like for an author to try to describe himself personally through a brand? Uh, Mike has really good answers to those questions and positions personal branding in such a way that I think it'll resonate with you and feel more honest, more authentic than maybe you've thought about it before. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, it's a privilege to have on the podcast today, Mike Loomis. Mike helps people launch their dream projects and books. Since starting two of his own businesses and selling those, he now is a strategic partner for best-selling authors, nonprofits, publishers, as well as startups, and anyone with a message they're trying to communicate. And one of the ways I came across Mike is a book I'll highly recommend. I'm sure we'll mention it in the interview today. But his book, Your Brand is Calling, Build a Personal Brand to Reflect and Connect, is just a great resource, should be required reading. He and his wife live in uh, Colorado, and I noticed on his bio it says he has a pet moose. So, hey, how can you go wrong with that? Sounds like a good life to me. So. Uh, Mike, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, it's a real pleasure, Chase. Thanks. And so is this pet moose um, uh, a wild moose that has befriended you, or what's the story on that? Yes, we. it, it is a free-range moose, and uh, so, you know, no moose are harmed in, <laughs> in the recording of this podcast. But yeah, we're, we love living up here in the mountains and see all kinds of neat critters wandering by. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the country. So, well, first, maybe the best place to start is just to say uh, thanks. I've really enjoyed your book. I uh, mentioned it here in the intro already, but your book, Your Brand is Calling. Um, I do a little bit, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'm also a freelance web developer. So I've done some brand projects in the past, worked with organizations and nonprofits with brand. And anybody who's around the word branding knows that uh, there's a wide spectrum of conversations and approaches that falls under that word. But I really thought the way you handle it in the book, especially in talking about personal brands is it's honest, it's authentic, it feels genuine, it doesn't feel some of the, the marketing spammy that sometimes surrounds the term. So I'll make sure we include a, a link in the show notes for it. But just wanted to say how much I enjoyed that book right at the beginning. Wow, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's a it's a quick read, but if you actually take the time to do the work that you suggest in the book, then I think it'll be it'll be a, a continual read, a longer read. Well, yeah, big time. When I, when I, whether it's a, you know, a quick consult or a long-term strategy project, uh, we keep coming back to the exercises in the book. I won't, I won't ask you what your, uh, your brand words list is, but, uh, you know, maybe sometime we can chat about those, but I really appreciate that. I, 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 I like books that get to the point and are real practical and that's what I endeavored to do with that. So it really means a lot. Uh, your feedback. Well, one of the things that you talk about doing both on your side in the book is working with authors. Um, sometimes when people think about a brand, they may think about a, a large national corporate brand or a nonprofit brand, but you talk about the importance of authors having a personal brand and, and really in the same way that a corporation would be detailed and focused and specific about it, that authors should be as well. Uh, maybe you could talk to kind of begin our conversation about why it's important for authors in particular to think about their brand. Absolutely. I'll I'll say it very succinctly, and that is readers buy brands. They don't buy books. They buy brands. They buy the brand behind the book. 
The same is true with publishers. Publishers sign brands. And that's uh, kind of a brutal fact of the publishing industry. Um, And so in a way, an author's brand is even more important than the book they're working on. That's why it's so important to invest in your brand. And everyone has a brand, which you know, involves a reputation or a position in the marketplace of ideas. But if you, as the author, don't proactively build your brand, those perceptions that people have might be incorrect or they might limit how far your writing can go. And that's where branding's cousin comes in, positioning. So, for example, in the context of pastor writer, um, we could ask our listeners, Who's the best author on the subject of stewardship? Who's the most helpful relationship expert that you know? Now, when I asked those questions, people or personal brands came to mind who filled that position, right? Mm-hmm. When I said, who's the best author on the subject of stewardship or church finances, names popped to mind. So that puts the the burden on the pastor writer to answer the question, what position do you want to own as a communicator and work through your words, your images, your actions, mostly your writing in this context to own that position. Does that make sense, Chase? Yeah, it does. And it's one of those things, I think, especially on for people who are just beginning the process of writing, usually you are really motivated by this book idea, this first idea you you have. And one of the things that just reinforcing what you're saying here is I found as I talk with agents and begin this process into the publishing industry that you're exactly right. Like one of the first questions that comes up is not tell me more about the book you're working on, but tell me about the other books you're thinking about. Because what they're really getting at is they want to be able to see if, if those books, if the way you're thinking about your future as a writer does build some sort of a coherent statement about who you are or the kind of work you're doing. And I think what struck me about your book was your definition of personal branding. Because again, To be frank, it's one of the words that I've struggled with in the past a little bit because it feels like, hey, I'm trying to be honest about who I am here, not be a brand. But I loved your definition. Um, Your definition in the book for a personal brand is uh, it's the public expression of your calling. Maybe you could unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I'm happy to. So, yeah, you're right. A lot of people do seem put off with the word branding. And if that is your reaction then you're operating with the wrong definition. So I'll say it again. Your brand is simply the public expression of your calling. Now, to me, that implies stewardship. It's your, you have a calling, but how are you going to steward that calling? It's your job to do the stewarding and, and let people know what your calling and reputation is authentically and persuasively. We could maybe, you know, get on the thin ice of talking about the Apostle Paul and how he always, you know, said, declared who he was to the world, you know, and frequently the opening of his letters. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he is a personal branding guy or he was thinking that at the time, but the point is, uh, it's your job to tell the world who you are and why people should care, and that's got to come back to your calling. So... When, the, the other reason to be really clear about that, and you alluded to it a second ago when you're talking about how the publishing industry looks at pastor authors, and that is your brand is the foundation on which your books 
need to be launched, but most first-time authors flip those two. They put all the focus on the book, and they forget about, and they, they believe, I, I think, uh, rightly, that a book should be valued on its own merit. But in the publishing business, the fact is that the author brand and platform play a significant role in publisher decisions and even book buyer decisions. One of the challenges I think I've experienced is um, part of the, the reluctance to to embrace what this personal brand is, is just not being clear about who you are, or what this calling is. And so uh, the book walks through several opportunities or ways that you can begin to sort of flesh that out and understand. Um, part of, I think, is just life experience and a willingness to embrace who, who it is that God is leading you to become this calling that you have. But one of the the, the sort of minefields you, you pinpoint in the book and mention is watching out is this the issue of comparison. And when it comes to thinking about our calling, how people recognize us, what's this public display of who we are that... It's really easy to go down the road of shaping that or determining that by what you see working in other people's lives or by comparisons that you make. Um, you write in the book at one point, uh, the phrase comparison is a dream killer. Uh, could you speak a little bit to, to how you go about that process of, of determining specifically your call and doing it in a way that's unique, that doesn't just sort of fall captive to whatever's trendy or what you see comparison-wise around you? Oh, big time. And that's, that's huge. And every writer and communicator faces that dilemma. So I, I, I guess the best way to talk about trying to steer clear of comparison is to think about, have you ever been, as a writer, ex- really excited about a book idea or a blog idea and started working on it and then thought, oh man, so-and-so already wrote the definitive book on that. Who am I to speak on the subject? And then you quit, right? How, how, many, how many times does that happen to really gifted communicators? They, they look at the crowded marketplace and they say, well, I'm no Seth Godin or I'm no John Maxwell or I'm no, I'm no you know, fill in the blank. And they go, why, why would anyone want to read what I have to say? So that, you know, that there's no getting around it. When it comes to writing, you've got to believe in your unique voice and your perspective. Every topic that you can name has been covered a thousand times in a thousand ways, but not in your voice. And, you know, that sounds like a motivational poster, you know, but it's, it's really, really true. Nobody else can address the subject has your story and the lessons learned and your particular perspective on a subject. That's why, you know, 2000 years after, you know, the, the Bible, uh, came into being in various forms, we're still, you know, 4,000 books a day are being put on Amazon. You know, I don't know how many are in the Christian market, but you know, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds a day are going out there. So is that a reason to, because you, you don't have a platform of some well-known communicator or your church, doesn't have 8,000 members, you know, you're not on the outreach hundred list. Does that mean you have nothing to say? Absolutely not. So there's, there's no way, there's no solution to that other than blocking out those negative voices of comparison. Because the truth is if your book reaches one person and changes their life in the, in the kingdom, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good word. And 
you know, I'm always drawn towards, uh, there's a Stephen Pressfield quote that I think I've quoted before, maybe, maybe in the blog, not on the actual podcast, but talking about this idea of voice. He says at one point that, uh, uh, the trick is to get your ego out of the way. And that's the process of finding who, what your voice is. And it really strikes me as similar well, to like this that. idea of your, your personal brand. I mean, a big part of this is learning to let go of the comparisons, learning to let go of the trends, learning to recognize really what it is God's doing in you in a unique way. And part of that, I think when it comes to writing is a willingness to be vulnerable. Like you, even if that vulnerability may not make it onto every sentence of the page, it may not turn into a memoir. Mm -hmm. Still, whatever you're working through, you're willing to have lived it. You're willing to have embraced it personally and to have seen it through this calling that you have. So I, um, I appreciate so much the way that you, you position that, the way you talk about branding and that it does seem like a, uh, it does seem like it's an act of faith that's responding to this calling, this work that God's leading you into. Well, it absolutely is. I, I love that. It's an act of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. A willingness to embrace it. Well, let me ask this. We've talked a yeah. little bit about, um, uh, inevitably, there is this process then of talking about the book. Maybe the first act, or maybe this ends up being kind of a back and forth conversation with yourself as you're writing a book. You're also starting to better understand your voice, your personal brand. Um, at some point, you you begin to put together a book proposal. We've talked about that. Um, actually, two weeks ago on the podcast, we had an agent on, who uh, Rochelle Gardner, who walked us through all the steps. We spent a little time talking about querying and writing a book proposal to an agent. Um, how do you see when you're sitting down to write about a particular piece of work, a book that you're doing, how does the author's brand play a role? How does it shape the way that you then propose that book or pitch that book to an agent or a publisher? Yeah, that's a great question. I want to tackle that sort of in two segments. First of all, um, making sure that your writing voice is addressed and then we'll get into some of the some of the nuts and bolts about um, book proposals because yeah, I, I love helping people with book proposals. So you, you know the expression, you, you might not remember what a person said, but you'll remember how they made you feel. You know that's a a, a popular quote. I, I think the same goes with writing. You might not be able to quote your favorite book, but you remember how that book made you feel. And that's part of um, that's part of your voice. That's what a good agent or a good publisher looks for. Beyond, you know, once they have checked brand off their list, and we'll talk about that in a second. So you you want to make sure you've got your voice dialed in in terms of your writing. And you said it beautifully a second ago. You said, "Let go of your ego." Or I heard um, Bono quoted some Irish poet a few months ago in an article. I can't remember his name, but his, this poet's advice was to write like you're dead because then you don't really care about anybody think what anybody thinks of you. I, I love that. I love that uh, sort of exercise. You know, you're, you're long gone and somebody's reading your words. What, what did you really want to say? Right. So, you know, it, it does again, come back to authenticity, comes back to answering the question, what do I want to be known for as an author? What position do I want to own? And that's because, frankly, in that weird mix of humility and confidence, how do you pursue your calling? How do you steward your calling? Um, and then make sure uh, that your writing sounds like you. You can ask friends, family members um, about something you wrote. Say, does this sound like me? Typically, when people get into writing mode, because writing is different than speaking, 
different than blogging, it's different than social media posts. People get this, you know, they put on this funny hat and then all of a sudden they, they think they have to communicate differently. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so you want to be authentic in your voice, what works, so to speak, in your personal interactions as a pastor uh, and in your sermons and glean from that and let that inform your writing. Don't go to the, you know, the formal side uh, of the spectrum for that. Yeah, on this, I have a little sticky note that sits uh, next to my desk. Uh, I refer to it especially when I'm writing, and it just says, fight the pretense. Uh, it's my reminder to myself, don't try to pretend. Uh, just be who you are, and hey, if you want to be something more than you are, you got to solve that first before you sit down to write. Man, because uh, if I'm I pretending when I'm writing, I just know it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin me. It's going to ruin the writing. It's just not going to work. That, wow. That is awesome. Fight the pretense. Yeah, it's my little mantra to myself when I'm writing. (laughs) Nice. Nice. That's great. Well, yeah. And and frankly, a a good agent, to kind of segue to your your question, a good agent and a publisher who's really interested in developing a voice uh, is going to look for that lack of pretension and really feel like they're getting to know the, the writer when they read the book proposal and go to the website. So let's, yeah, let's dig into the book proposal thing from a publishing standpoint. Um, again, readers buy brands, publishers sign brands. So that's why your brand deserves a lot of attention because in some ways it's more important than your book. I've, as a very niche agent, have shopped some wonderful proposals from really gifted people I respect and they've been turned down. And the, you know, the, the reason that was communicated directly to me was, you know, the, the author's brand and platform are just not where they need to be. Love the message, love the writing. That's the brutal reality of the, the publishing industry. So the first thing I look for when I have my agent hat on, when I get a book proposal, is the author's website. And publishers do the same exact thing. And so when I help an author develop a book proposal, we make sure the brand is solid and clear, even if the platform is small. And again, it comes down to not comparing yourself to others because authors with small platforms do get book deals. It does happen. It's rarer and rarer, Um, you know, and that's the double-edged sort of platform. On the one hand, in the olden days, publishers used to find an author and use their power to bring light to the book and the author. These days, you know, it's a little bit flipped. But, you know, the, the uh, other side of that argument is that if your writing connects with people, they will follow you on Twitter and they will share your blog and they, were, you know, they, they will engage with your writing. So that's the challenge. Um, but this also brings up, in terms of, your writing strategy or your writing career strategy as a pastor, a really delicate subject. And that's developing an author brand while on church staff, right? I mean, this is like where the rubber meets the road. Probably something too many pastors do without taking the time to really think through that that is a tightrope and something that has to be thoughtfully executed. Oh man. Yeah. I've worked with hundreds of pastors, um, some super well-known, some, you know, unknown, 
um, on books and product and brand development. And the, you know, the, I, I share some of these keys, first of all, to be really transparent with your, your peers, your church leadership, your church government, however your church government runs, um, to be really about your motivation. First of all, that's huge. Um, and then, and, and then to be honest about it, um, and then talk about things like how will the finances be handled? Um, and along with finances, how, uh, what are the boundaries around time? Um, and, and the money involved, is there going to be any accountability for this? Um, are you as a pastor going to develop a separate web and social media presence? Um, you know, I've, I've seen it work both ways where there's a, obviously a separate, whole separate brand for the pastor as an author, you know, and, and sometimes you have to go to the fine print to see where they, where they pastor. Um, but all that's got to be ironed out. And very importantly, how are you going to communicate these initiatives to your congregation. I've seen winning scenarios where the congregation was cheering a pastor on all through the writing journey. And then we've seen other scenarios where they, the congregation felt used. It's a, it's a real, real big deal to address. Yeah. I appreciate just your wisdom on that because you're right. It's, um, as we talk about being intentional about your brand, who you are and who you're, you, you can't do that in a vacuum. Um, you, if it really is going to be authentic, then it has to be lived out. It has to be discussed in all the parts of your life. And, uh, you're right. Like if somebody comes to your, your author website and then goes to your church website and recognizes that those are two different people, even though it's just you functioning in these two roles, it can feel really disingenuous and really uh, uh, untrue of maybe who you really are. I think it's a, a huge thing for somebody to think through. Yeah. And, you know, I've been on both sides of that desk, you know, the pastor's desk and know the, you know, the real struggles in terms of, um, stewarding your calling and, you know, am I going to be in this role till I retire? I don't know. Do I, you know, can I love serving my church and feel a real call to reach people outside of my community because through the wonderful gift of writing? Absolutely. So, but you know, the, the, the time to wrestle through those things is early in the process rather than, I mean, gosh, I could name a, you know, pastor in the news again right now who dealt with that whole, you know, dual life thing in terms of publishing really poorly. And mm -hmm. it's just destroyed, the, you know, the credibility because it wasn't that there was not accountability, there was not um, unity, and there was not open, transparent communication about the subject. So, you know, I, I, I know we're talking about writing, Chase, but, you know, um, because your brand is the foundation, you know, you can have success as a writer if, you're, if your only web presence is your church website. Not a problem. So there's no right or wrong way to go about it, but it's to be really clear about your motivation and then have good accountability uh, about all these things because, you know, it's not that... It's usually not um, business 
failure that really wrecks relationships. It's usually business success that wrecks it. Like if your book takes off or you start getting speaking requests from all over the country, man, have you thought through the implications with your local church? And how can, you know, in the ideal situation, your congregation and your leadership is just excited about these opportunities that open up, not resentful. So I'll end my sermon there with that. Yeah, it's a great word of wisdom. One of the things that's come through on this podcast over and over and over again is that the the, the call to write is not something, although it feels often alone, it is not something you can do alone because there's so many important relationships from an editor to an agent to first-time readers. And uh, I hear you saying it really clear that a big component of that, especially for pastors, has to be the people that are already on your team around you. I know early on when I began this endeavor to writing, and it can feel a little strange because you're saying this is an aspirational thing. It's not like I have publishers beating mm-hmm. down my door wanting to publish me. But before that day, if it does ever come, before that day, um, I did. I sat down with the board at my church and said, this is something that's really on my heart, um, something I'm going to begin pursuing. I'm not quite sure what that means, where it's going to go, but I just want to be honest with you about how I'm thinking long term and what's on my heart. And you're right, just that willingness to have that conversation to bring people like that in as a part of this bigger team for an author just pays so many dividends. And again, to your big theme, it keeps you true. It keeps you honest, keeps you authentic about who you really are in this brand, this uh, public presentation of your calling that you're making. Yeah, exactly. That's the thread that runs through it all. And if everybody's clear about, about what your calling is, you know, and, and of course that that can um, morph, you know, through the years and different seasons of life in ministry, right? But um, but there's probably a consistent theme to it, and uh, you know, then navigating it's going to be that much easier because you're clear about your purpose, and you can let the people around you know and figure out win-win scenarios instead of instead of uh, conflict. Yeah. Well, Mike, obviously, I think for people listening, they recognize that uh, you are a, a depth of knowledge and uh, also wisdom on it. It's not just facts, but uh, there's a sensitivity to it. And I know I follow your blog. Oftentimes, there's just great content on there. So I want to make sure people get to know your site, MikeLumis.co. I'll make sure and include that link in the show notes. But maybe as we wrap up, um, if people do want to follow you, if they want to keep in touch, maybe even interested in the services you provide for branding, what's the best way for people to be able to keep up with the work you're doing? Yeah, well, the really the best place is my website. Um, as you said, MikeLumis.co is in Colorado. And if you subscribe to my email newsletter, I won't bombard you with emails, but I will try to give you insider stuff like we've been sharing. And um, you'll also get a free case study about how I helped an author who had zero platform and no online presence at all get a... Uh, two-book publishing deal. Obviously, the grace of God was highly involved in that. Um, but the, the principles that I share in that case study, uh, which is a free download when you subscribe, I, I think would be a real help to your, your listeners. Well, I'll make sure and include a link and then also uh, just say thank you again. The book we mentioned, uh, I believe it's actually set to free if you do the Amazon Kindle version on Amazon right now. So I'll make sure and include a link to that as well. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Chase. 
As always, you can find all of the links that are mentioned to both Mike's website as well as his book by visiting the show notes. You can find those show notes at pastorwriter.com slash 12. If you're enjoying the show, I'd appreciate it if you stopped by iTunes and subscribed and even left a review. In addition, you might consider sharing the podcast on Facebook or Twitter with a friend if one of these episodes has meant something to you personally. It's your willingness to share the podcast that helps it grow and helps us continue to bring on interesting authors, writers, and experts. As always, thanks for listening, and until next time.